This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hi, it's producer Sasha jumping in here just to remind you that Superhero does not provide financial advice that considers your personal objectives, financial situation, or particular needs. All investments carry risk, so please consider carefully before investing. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. That's it from me. Enjoy the show. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this interview. We're loving the opportunity to speak to some of the biggest and best CEOs from from Australia and around the world. And we've got a CEO who we've had on the show before, uh, but he just keeps building and building. So we thought we had to get him back to talk about the company that has really come from nothing to something that probably everyone in the Equity Mates community knows about in just a couple of years. That's right. It is our pleasure to welcome back uh, John Winters from Superhero. John, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the intro. Well, it's, it's, it hasn't even been a couple of years yet. It's not even been one. So, yeah, it's wow. pretty, pretty exciting. I think it's <laughs> like nine or something, yeah. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who haven't come across John before, he's the co-founder and CEO of Superhero, an online broker offering Australians the lowest cost access to the Aussie market and now the US stock market as well, which we will dig into. Before co-founding Superhero, John was a stockbroker and private wealth manager at Shore and Partners and Macquarie. So plenty of experience, but we're interested in the entrepreneurship side and uh, and what you're building, John. So um, we're going to focus on that aspect in this interview today. John, we always uh, like to start these CEO series by hearing the company leader describe their company in their own words. Now, for people who haven't heard our previous interview or seen a bus, tram or train in Australia in the last six months, um, can you tell us uh, what Superhero is in your own words? Yeah, sure. So just a, just a bit of background. So yeah, I've been in, been in stockbroking wealth management for about the last 15 years and really saw some of the, um, some of the issues in that industry and, and how hard it was for, for people who wanted to start investing. So that's what drove the, the birth of, of Superhero. And to, to give you a quick overview of what we are, the, I'll give you the sort of the extended elevator pitch. Um, <laughs> we are an online investment platform. Uh, we, we deal in Aussie and now US shares. Uh, and we're really trying to make investing accessible to, to everyone. So it, it's often been very hard to, to even get started investing. So knowing where to go, knowing even how to set up an account before you've bought any shares or when you're looking to make your first investment, what to, what to actually invest in. So we want to bridge that gap. We're trying to make it accessible understandable and of course affordable for for everyone in Australia. So there's plenty of players in the broker space now and it feels like almost every month there's a new player coming to town. So it's certainly becoming crowded here. Why, I guess, try and enter this market? What is it that Superhero does differently or how do you try and differentiate yourself between what seems like a pretty crowded market at the moment? Yeah, so we, we, we launched in September last year and... So it has been a pretty 
pretty short journey so far. But when we look back at, at, at September when we when we launched to the to the to the Aussie market, there were the big banks. Then there were a couple of other uh, a smaller um, second tier um, broking houses, online online trading firms, and we felt like none of them were really solving the problem in the market. So you've got the big banks that are charging at least twenty dollars a trade. There's a couple of others around that are that are doing slightly less than that. But it, it really looked like, in, in terms of a user experience, it, it, it was sort of a, a spreadsheet that had migrated onto a website that had been iterated over time. So it really didn't take this, this tech-first, um, millennial sort of user experience that we've seen in so many other markets, whether, whether it's you know, watching TV, whether it's getting a, getting a, a car to, to the airport or something. Um, we hadn't seen that level of user experience brought into the investment world in Australia. So we, we, we've been trying to bridge that gap. That's, that's one of the, sort of the key differences that, that we saw in the market. But over the, last, over the last few months, we have seen a lot of competition come into the space. I do feel like people are doing it as a, as a bit of a, oh, we're going to try and dabble in this and we'll see how it goes. They're not super focused on a single mission. So yeah, you, there are a whole bunch of people coming out that you can, you know, you can buy US shares or you can, you can trade Aussie shares. But I think it's that key point of difference this is what we live and breathe every day. We are the cheapest, which is a pretty proud thing to say. Like we are the cheapest in Australia. When it comes to Aussie share trading, flat five dollars for Aussie shares. Aussie ETFs, zero brokerage to buy. Um, no one else is doing that. That's that's you know pretty pretty cool achievement. Um, pat myself on the, on the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but when when we look at US, like like the world the world has it's been a race to the bottom when it comes to fees and. The U.S. is at zero, and you know that's the expectation, particularly on the U.S. market. So we've been able to bring zero um, to market as well. But what's important is we're, we're, we've got one of the lowest FX transfer rates, and we can get into that a little bit, little bit more. But transferring funds from Aussie dollars to U.S. dollars is obviously a critical component. So we allow you to do that at a very low cost, but also in real time which no one else has really done. So it's always been three to five days, you fund your account, so you're sort of, you're waiting a few days until you get your cash before you can, before you can invest. You know, you, can, you could be sitting at home on a Thursday night watching the AFL and um, see our ad on TV, uh, sign up for an account, put money in your account, transfer it into US dollars and buy Apple in about three minutes before the US market opens for the night. So yeah, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty incredible. And I mean, you launched in September and the growth journey has been pretty incredible as well. You know, from a feature point of view, you know, US trading, you've reduced the cost, $0 ETFs, but also just in terms of the growth of the business. You know, we remember the last time we spoke, you're in a smaller office and now we can see your background in a much bigger, shinier office. You know, we'd love to hear that story, what it's been like scaling the business, scaling the team, scaling the infrastructure to keep up with that pretty incredible growth rate. Looking back at last year, which was a pretty, pretty big roller coaster year for, uh, I'd say, everyone globally, I think it was middle of the year we had, we had six employees, which was up from three in sort of March, April. So we sort of doubled to six. In September when we launched, I think we had about 10 and in and we and we moved office in September the same month we launched we moved office because we we ran out of space in December we had uh, 19 
and in Feb we had to move office again because we ran out of space. Um, we've got 35 people in the business now. The office we moved into in Feb, we, I don't know, we're either, we're either growing too quickly or we can't plan very well. We're, we're now, <laughs> we've now run out of space again. We're, 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 thankfully, there's more space in the building, so we're going to move to a bigger floor. But yeah, just in terms of like in terms of headcount, it's it's been a pretty wild journey, and and you know one of the big parts of building building a business is is keeping culture, you know, the the team culture alive, and and you know it's it's a pretty proud thing to say that that you know everyone loves coming to work every day, and, and that's not me saying it; that's other people. You know, we'll, we'll sit in on interviews, and um, people will ask about culture, and and you know people who work who work for superheroes say, oh, John, I. I'll answer this one, and they and they say like we love coming to work. It's an awesome place to work. We're so pretty proud of that. So yeah, in terms of scaling, you know, staff is obviously a massive piece. Um, but then when we look at all of the, you know, the, there's so many parts to that. You know, there's all the systems. It, when you when you place a trade and your trade goes through, you get a text message. You know, we're spending hundreds of thousands of text messages every every month. So you think about all the flow-on effects that we're having, you know, whether it's our servers, whether it's um, text messages, whether it's emails. Like there's there's hundreds of thousands and millions of different communications going out every month, and, and we kind of haven't really scratched the surface yet. So yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see that. But when it comes to our customers, that's where it gets really exciting. So you know, we're creeping up to towards a hundred thousand people on the platform now, which is you know, just phenomenal. When we started live testing in, in August last year, there were like five or six of us. And we, we did like three trades in a day. We're like, hey, yeah, three trades. <laughs> Yesterday was only two. Um, and now there's, you know, now there's thousands a day. Um, so, yeah, seeing, seeing so many people jump on board, the, the adoption rate is, is yeah, it's it's real sort of pinch me moment uh, when, when we look back at it. But also just, you know, standing around the office, you know, I said to, to Wayne, my, my co-founder, I was like, look how many people there are. Like, look <laughs> at all the people here. It's, it's like, it's, it's crazy. There's, there's so many people and, and that, you know, they love it and, and um, you know, live and breathe, you know, the, the brand and, you know, they're serving our customers every day, you know, with a, with a whole heart. So, yeah, it's pretty, mm. pretty exciting. I've got a couple of questions on people and culture that I want to touch on in, in a little bit, but let's turn our attention to the US trading side of things. So you have just announced the big platform update. US shares are yep. now available. Yep. Um, do you know, I mean, we spoke to one of the major Australian exchanges <laughs> and they weren't as confident that many Australians were actually interested in investing in the US uh, and were, or actually doing that, particularly with a millennial focus. Yeah. On your side of things from your, I guess, um, customers, do you know how many people are investing in U- US shares at the moment? There wouldn't be any bias in that major Australian exchange <laughs> <laughs> suggesting that, would there? Um, yeah, no, look, it's a good question. We, we actually did some research recently and it said about 17% of Aussies are currently invested in overseas investments, So you know, which includes US shares. I think the thing, the thing about US, if we, just, if we just look at US shares in particular, the, the barriers to entry have been so high for so long. So when I was a stockbroker, setting up a US account was a nightmare. The fees were exorbitant. To, to be able to transfer shares in and out were, was just hard. FX was hard. And particularly in the, in the broker or, or the advice space, a lot of advisors will not give advice on, on US shares. 
So you naturally just default back to Aussie. And if you look at the split of, of Aussie versus US equities in a typical portfolio, in a typical advised portfolio, it's about 80-20 as a general rule. And the 20% is typically um, you know, brought about by uh, international ETFs and things. And that's just because there's a barrier gap, like a, a barrier of, uh, of entry, but also a knowledge gap at the advisor level that flows down to the individual customer. So when when we look at when we look at the market, I think you know we, we've got two and a half thousand Aussie shares and ETFs on the platform. We just added four and a half thousand. So now there's seven thousand different investment opportunities. You sort of get decision paralysis. Like the first night that we signed that that we had it going, I I put some money in and I was like, okay, well, look, what do I invest in? Like, what's the first S&P thing? S&P 500. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like, but, you know, you've sort of got the, the top ones, which are, you know, the favorites on our platform and, and sort of in the market. You know, you've got Apple, you've got Tesla, you've got Amazon, Alphabet. You've got sort of the FANG stocks, which, which you know, are the sort of the go-to. But outside of those, there's a lot of household brands, but people don't really think of those as an investment opportunity. Like, is Nike a good investment? Is NVIDIA a good – so there's, there is a knowledge gap on that space, but I think that is – and we're working on that as well – is if we can close that knowledge gap, people will be much more informed and I think there will be higher uh, demand. But certainly in the, in the early stages, the, the, um, the interest and the, the use of US on our platform, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, I mean this this might this might be a bit of a softball question because Bryce and I, you know, we are strong believers in uh, international investing, but I'm going to ask you it anyway because we love the I guess the opportunity to invest outside Australia. But like, why why would an investor think beyond the ASX? Why would they want to invest in the US? Why would they? I think yeah. I think when you look at the Aussie market, it's pretty small. Like Apple as a market cap is bigger than our entire market here. <laughs> that, that's like, crazy. Like that's yeah, it's the entire ASX. So I think I think when you look at the opportunity in particularly in the US, and some and some people say, Oh, what about this market? What about that market? I think if you want global exposure, you can pretty much get everything you need on the US market. So whether it's going into the Chinese, you know, tech majors, most of them are listed in the States. Um, so, you know, I think I think that that looking abroad gives people so much more choice. It gives you exposure to so much more. We do have a, a, a very small market here, and while there's great companies, you know, you've got the big banks that pay dividends. You've got, you know, the, the big mining stocks, but we don't have a huge tech exposure, like global tech exposure. There's so much in retail that we just don't have exposure to. You know, you, you think of some of the luxury brands that are going off in China, mm. you know, you, you want to sort of jump on board. You know, here we've got Kogan and Temple and Webster. What about all of these other luxury brands and things that you can invest in in the States? So not to say Kogan and, and, and Temple and Webster are bad investment decisions, but it's just opening up the opportunities to so much more um, that we don't have purely through the ASX. Mm. So we've obviously seen the outcome of what you've done. Um, you know, you know, you now offer US trading on the platform. 
but we love to hear the inside story. We're here to talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and you as leading the company through the process. So what was the process like, I guess, engaging Aussie regulators, the regulators in the US and actually getting the four and a half thousand stocks on? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but there are also plenty more stocks available in the States. Um, so ha- how did you come yeah. to actually getting this going? Yeah, so I guess the Aussie regulation piece is is a really important one. We are regulated by ASIC, um, and and we have to meet you know the, all of the the rules and regulations uh, here in Australia. When when we look to the to the US, um, I think the one one of the key things uh, around the the number of shares that we that we offer is not so much a regulatory side of it's it's not a regulatory matter. It, it's more of a availability and tech question so the four and a half thousand shares that we offer we offer fractional investing on um and not all stocks in the states allow fractional so uh. you know if you wanted to buy apple it's you know hundred and forty five dollars correct me right thereabouts some something around right. there <laughs> right so if you wanted to invest a hundred bucks you could buy a hundred dollars worth of apple so you buy a fraction of a share um, but there's some, you know, uh, uh, Amazon is, you know, in the three thousands. If you wanted to buy a hundred dollars worth of Amazon, you could. Where there's some stocks that don't allow fractional, so you'd only be able to buy one unit. So if we turned that on, we'd be able to offer significantly more. Um, a lot of those securities are, are low price securities. They're, they're, you know, the pink sheets that you know we've heard about in movies and things, yeah. um, which which do come with additional risk from a regulatory point of view. They come with additional cost as well, and you know some of those some of those are, are over the counter. So they're they're more um, sort of tricky to manage through through a platform. And what we see is we we really see demand for you know the top five to ten stocks in the S&P 500 rather than the real sort of tail end of companies. Do you offer fractional ownership of Berkshire Hathaway Class A? <laughs> no, no, we don't. So, so that's, a, that's a good example, right? So they don't, that, that's not a fractional stock. It's Class B, that is. So which I think is about 290 or 300 US dollars. So you could buy a fractional mm. portion of that. You've got to stump up the 450 grand or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is for, for the class A's. Yeah. It's the price of a house to buy one class A share. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Keep saving. <laughs> well, you've obviously, you know, you've got US trading now. You've had ASX going for about nine months. You've got a treasure trove of data on um, how, like what Aussies are buying, what they're selling both here and in the US. So... Would love to, I guess, get some insight uh, for us and the Equity Mates listeners. So maybe if we start uh, at the top, um, what have been some of the most bought uh, stocks in Australia and the US? What's what's really popular right now? I reckon we could name all ten. Do you reckon you could? <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. I reckon you could as well. Yeah, I mean, they're not quite meme stocks in in, in Australia, but certainly. Do you have GameStop on your platform? For US, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. I bought a hundred bucks <laughs> worth just to, just to dip the toe. I was like, oh, come on, I've got to have some. Nice. Um, and AMC. Um, but yeah, looking at the Aussie, looking at the Aussies, Zip has been the number one standout from the beginning. Um, you know, I think it just really resonates with people. Um, and and Afterpay is a, is a close second. So these are the guys that have built such a massive sort of customer following you sort of it's almost like these cult followings that they've built so people 
people use their their, their payment products every day, um, and and it's flowed through into the market as well. You know, they've built massive customer bases both in Australia and globally, um, and their share price has been on the tear pretty much since when they listed. Um, so yeah, Zip and Afterpay would probably be the two most bought stocks since we since we started. Um, Brainship has been a big one as well, and then and then looking at some of the sort of the bigger cap, Flight Center, Qantas, Fortescue have been sort of some of the other bigger cap. Okay, and and, and even recently, like Flight Center and Qantas have been pretty popular, which is interesting given the given the lockdowns in in, in pretty much every state um, in in the last few mm. few weeks and mm. months. Pro- probably shows that long term investing message is getting through, which is yeah, and I think good. people. People are aware that things don't last forever. So, you know, what we saw in, in March last year with the, the market tanking and even what we saw during the GFC, like the markets bounce back pretty quickly. So I think people are sort of buying, they're buying the dip uh, when it comes to those mm. guys. When, when we look mm. at ETFs um, and if you look sort of broadly, it, it is tech that people, people want exposure to. It, it's just staunchly tech. So... Asia Tech is uh, very popular, so BetaShares Asia Tech Tigers ETF has been the number one ETF bought on the platform. That gives you exposure to JD.com, to Alibaba, to Tencent, you know, some of the big, which are still household names. Like every, everyone seems to know, you know, may not know what their business model is, but you've probably heard the name before. Uh, and that and that has been mm. a, a great performer, even recently with some of the the volatility in in some of those underlying names. Um, Aussie share the the Vanguard Aussie shares index um, and Nasdaq and the Nasdaq 100 NDQ they've also been standouts. And what's been really interesting is some of the, the like the investor behaviour is people are coming on and they're buying. They typically buy Asia NDQ and VAS the the Vanguard Aussie share index ETF as their core kind of portfolio. So they're setting up this like global core of the biggest Aussie shares and tech names that that there are and and then they're sort of supplementing that with a bit of zip, bit of afterpay, bit of bit of um, you know, few few others as as sort of their higher growth opportunities. Well, it's, it's mm. good to know that uh, everyone's been listening to Equimates then because that's exactly what we talk about on the show, going yeah. global. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going global, setting up your core, playing around with a bit of a satellite approach. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt we've done a lot of content recently on Asia as well, so I'm not surprised that um, you're seeing that reflected through the yeah. trades that are being made. So, basically, Bryce is just trying to claim credit for everything that you <laughs> <Yeah>. built. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bryce has said he reckons you can pick the uh, the top traded US shares, so I think we should put him on the spot before you before you tell us. I mentioned them earlier, so yeah, let's see if he's got a good memory as well. Let's see. Go on. Yeah, has, he been- <laughs> yeah, has he been listening? That's an even better question. <laughs> what do you reckon it's been, Bryce? Oh, so we can't go past Apple, Amazon, Tez. No, no, no. Just top one, mate. <laughs> oh, top one. Uh, yeah. For US, it would be, uh, it'd be Apple. Yep, stand out. Is he right? Yeah, Amazon. Oh, Amazon's go. on in the top ten, but it's pretty far down the list. Um, it is early days. Um, really, but yeah, Apple. Apple is the sort of the go-to. Tesla is the as the as number two, um, which which is an interesting one. You know, there's a there's a lot of demand for you know ESG investing for uh, uh, and certainly on the electrification theme. It's sort of the it's the when you think of how do you invest in electric cars and the sort of the future of electric cars? 
Yeah, uh, pretty much ask anyone. They'll go, oh, Tesla, and and they'd be stumped for a second opinion, like for a second opinion. Um, so yeah, Tesla's Tesla's number two, um, closely closely after um, uh, after Apple. Usually the second is some obscure lithium miner in Western <laughs> Australia. <laughs> well, ACDC is, is one of the um, top ETFs on the Aussie market. And, you know, while that is it's battery tech, the biggest holdings in that is, is Aussie lithium miners. So there's a whole bunch of Aussie lithium mm. miners in there. Is there any other sort of surprising data that's that's starting to flow through from what you're seeing um, on your end? You know, we're also hearing a lot about the inflation at the, you know, the potential for inflation at the moment. Are you seeing sort of any superheroes investing on that trend um, or is it just tech Asia? Let's do it. We saw the whole inflation trade sort of grip the market mid-June and the market pulled back a fair bit. But it didn't last. It didn't last very long. Um, we, we sort of mm. bounced back, and, and the market's back at back at its highs. So I don't. I don't think the the inflation sort of trade is really a, a running theme. We did see over those few days. We did see a a higher amount of net buying into some of the bigger names like uh, CBA, Fortescue. You know, some of the the big uh, blue chips. Um, but yeah, it, it's really people just want to invest. We always say that invest in what you're invested in, and it's you know it's you've got an iPhone. You kind of get Apple. You know everyone knows the brand. You're, you're invested emotionally in their brand if if you use one of their products. Same with Amazon. Same with Afterpay. Same with Zip. So it just happens that that some of the biggest consumer brands in the world are tech tech focused. So yeah, people people particularly our age, they do want exposure to that, and they've been they've been awesome performers mm. over mm. years. So uh, talking about investing in what you're invested in, it's say if that's the case, then Australians are very uh, invested in the buy now pay later sector, given that they're the two most popular in Australia. Opening up US shares means you open up a whole well maybe not a whole lot more buy now pay later companies, but a few. Uh, PayPal is obviously US listed and also Affirm, the um, the US buy now, pay later competitor to Afterpay and Zip. Uh, Aussie investors jumping on the uh, US buy now, pay later stocks as well. PayPal's on the list. I haven't seen Affirm. Um, I think the, the Affirm business model is a little bit different. They, they actually started at a similar time to, to Zip and Afterpay in the States. I, I think in the early days, they actually had the same sort of brand colors as well um, to, to Zip. So it was, it was an interesting one. <laughs> Um, but they do have a different. They do have a different business model. They they listed with a lot of fanfare and then pulled back pretty pretty hard. I think when you look at at buy now pay later though um, globally, there's a firm would certainly be up there in the US. But you've got Klarna as the big as the big unlisted one. Mm. Um, you've got Afterpay, QuadPay in the states, which is owned by Zip, and, and then a firm. So yeah, there's there's probably four there. PayPal has made a lot of noise about going into the space. They haven't really made it made a dent yet, but they do have a massive footprint with all the merchants and, and a huge amount of customers. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so yeah, they're on the list, but I, I think when you think of buy now, pay later and the leaders, it's sort of zip and afterpay, whether you're in the States, in the UK or in Australia. Mm. Mm. You love to see that from Australia, really punching above our weight. So 
America, the US have the FANG stocks, the Aussies have the WAX stocks, Afterpay of which we've spoken about enough and uh, is very popular. But what are you seeing on your end in terms of the WiseText, the Apen, the Zero? you know, all pretty good tech companies, great stories here in Australia, but, you know, not necessarily as, as popular as, a, as tech stocks, I guess. Um, is that kind of coming through on your end? Yeah, I think, I think the, the, the thing about the, the WAX stocks is they're not all consumer-driven companies. So you don't have that sort of consumer affiliation to it, like WiseTech. How many of us use WiseTech on a daily basis? Right, that's sort of like that. And I no, think that's the no. key thing. Like, I think there's there's a certain amount of sexiness to to these consumer tech stocks. Um, you know, you, everyone wants mm. the latest iPhone. You want the latest tech. You want the latest product. You want, you know, and and you want to pay it off over time. So, 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 yeah. I think there's. I think that's what's missing from some of those B two B players. So they do have. I think. I think the the one exception to that is probably zero. Like they've been, they've built an unbelievable customer base. Their growth has been massive over a, a long period of time. But yeah, the real B two B guys, I think they, they they are sort of missing that that B two C, you know, flair. Well, Bryce keeps saying he wants to get into training AI and machine learning algorithms, so yeah, we might yeah. use Appen one day. <laughs> but but until then, until he learns to code, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> So, so another key focus of the Equity Mates community, and I imagine superhero users, is uh, climate change investing, ESG, and sustainability. We've seen BetaShares and VanEck come out with new products recently um, in the ETF space. Uh, are they popular? And I guess is ESG investing generally popular uh, from the superhero community? It is, and I think it's a growing trend. You know, people want to be able to invest with a with a clear conscience, and um, there's there's definitely a, a growing way to do that. So some of the some of the ethical investing ETFs, um, green energy, even some of the sort of the the ethical adjacent uh, names like ACDC, the battery tech ones. Like these are these are all very popular on the platform. But it's quite interesting when you scratch beneath the surface. You know, people, people, I think, you know, they, they're sort of attracted to the ethical name, but a lot of people wouldn't understand what the actual underlying businesses are. So if you look at, say, the Beta Shares Global Sustainability ETF, you look at the list, it's actually a list of the biggest US tech stocks. It's, which is pretty interesting because it's, it's those guys who are, who are making a lot of headway when it comes to, you know, using clean energy to power their data centers and, 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 um, using, using a whole range of different approaches when it comes to, um, you know, running their businesses in a sustainable way, corporate governance and, and, you know, ESG investing is not just about planting trees and keeping, um, carbon emissions low there's a whole range of different factors that go into it so there's there's definitely a rising trend um when we look at acdc as an etf that i mentioned earlier um it's battery tech so it's going into the electrification theme going into electric cars but a whole bunch of those underlying investments are lithium miners so it's it's a really interesting sort of concept when people are thinking about uh ethical investing um you know, it's what it's what does that actually mean, and what does it mean to you? I think that's that's an interesting one to look at. But it, yeah, it, there's certainly a lot of demand and rising demand across the platform and across the industry. It's a question that we're always trying to answer on Equity Mates: is what does ESG 
mean because it's so different to every person really like you could look at apple and think that it's one of the most unethical companies in the world or you could look at it and think it's doing absolutely everything possible to to be uh, an asg company so and like fortescue fortescue wants to go to zero emissions yeah yeah but they're digging dirt out of the ground which is quite an interesting one like how do you sort of deal with that if you're if you're if you're looking for a really ethical investment and you're sort of this is the issue you're you're you, a conundrum yeah it's the you conundrum just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think i think the best example of that is tesla who most people would associate it with everything good about sustainability and move to electric vehicles but beta shares just took them out of their global ethical fund well at the end of the day the cars are made of the cars are made of metal that's dug out of the ground the batteries are made of lithium that's dug out of the ground you know and there's a bunch of copper in it this you know there's all of this stuff. So, yeah, it's a really clean vehicle in terms of emissions from the vehicle. But what what carbon emissions went into sort of building the car? So, yeah, it is a conundrum that I don't I don't think is easily answered. But I think I think that's the good thing about learning to invest yourself is you can make those decisions yourself rather than relying on someone else to make them for you. And I think with US trading, you you know, you now have a whole other world of companies to choose from and you know some of the biggest solar companies and renewable energy utilities and you know all of these companies that are working on these big problems are listed in the US so it just massively opens up your universe in terms of the companies you can yeah. look at and the choices you have so John I do want to touch on people and culture we always have this type of discussion when we're chatting to CEOs and founders you mentioned at the start that you've gone from three employees in April last year to mismanaging <laughs> office sizes multiple times <laughs> and now landing in with uh, 36 and I'm sure it's just going to continue to grow. In that space of time, you've gone from having to actually manage and lead three people who I imagine would have probably been co-founders as well and now to a much bigger team how are you thinking about like your leadership style? Do you have a leadership philosophy? Uh, because I imagine, it, you know, you, you probably didn't start out at the beginning with a clearly defined leadership method. Yeah, it's 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 challenging. Um, it's it's like having a really big family, um, really really big really family, big. and you know, <laughs> you've got to give everyone, you know, equal love and attention. Um, so yeah, it's it's it is challenging. I wouldn't change it for the world. Like everyone in the team is is awesome and and just fits their niche in the business. You know, everyone just does their part. Um, I guess my my sort of management style is you know I love people to sort of pick up the reins and go. You know, to 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 run their own race and 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 thankfully everyone is you know we're all in the canoe and we're all rowing in the same direction, um, which which you know Wayne and I are incredibly proud of um there's there's obviously speed bumps along the way um there's you know there's 35 different personalities in the business so it's yeah it's 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 tough to manage and to match people in teams and things but you know as we grow we have had to and, and it's hard to it's hard to delegate as well because you know you go from having you know just a handful of people and you sort of you know, should it be that blue or that blue and what size text and, you know, should, should it be on that line or that line? Like the real minutiae in the weeds to having to let go of some of that stuff, um, you know, is hard. 
um, to having to, to let go of some of the, you know, the operational side of things and, and have a direct report that's reporting in, basically just reporting in issues, um, you know, so <laughs> we, we hope to, you know, have limited communication on, on in some respects, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to sort of delegate those key functions that, that, um, you know, a core to the business that, that, that I sort of started out doing, um, but, what we've seen is everyone's just sort of, you know, we're all we're all moving in the same direction. Um, you know, everyone comes to work in their superhero t-shirt every day, and, and you know, and wears it on the weekend as well. Like they just love it. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah. like Ren and his equity mates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I kind of feel like if if I'm not wearing my my superhero kit to work, I kind of feel like I'm. It's like going to school without your uniform on. You sort of like the old one out. Um, you feel a bit naked. So yeah, but it's it's um, in terms of the team, it's it's incredibly um, powerful to see everyone just like band together and and execute um, with a single vision. And just one more, like where where I'm doing this purely from a selfish point of view, but we're going through the process of building our team at Equity Mates, and I'm always fascinated in how you think about hiring because at such a infant stage of a business, every single hire is incredibly important you know if you have 5000 people in an organization it's it's not as drastic as having hiring your fifth person so h- how did you how do you think about that process and make sure that you're getting the best yeah so the first the first the first thing's culture so it you have to be a good fit on a cultural front you can be the best designer the best developer the best compliance person the best customer service person but if you if you don't fit the culture of the business, it's going to be damaging to to everyone else. So that's the first thing that we do. So every every interview that we do at Superhero is a culture interview. It's usually 10, 15 minutes. It's a hi, how are you doing? You know, where where are you at the moment? Um, where do you see yourself in the future? Just to get a bit of an understanding of who you are. Just like have a chat. Um, and and once we sort of and you, and you can pick up people's sort of attitude um, pretty quickly. So. We, we, we have a rule that culture interview is first um, and, and just, you know, get to know each other a little bit uh, before before we move on to, you know, technical skills or, or past experience and stuff. So, yeah, I'd certainly, if, if you're asking for advice, I'd certainly say look, look at culture being the key. Um, have a bad egg and it can really spoil things. I guess we'll do ours at the <laughs> pub then. Perfect. <laughs> but, Bryce wants Bryce wants our culture yeah. just to be drinking. No, but, that, but that's the thing, right? You, you have a beer with someone, and you kind of you get to know who they are. So, John, uh, whenever we do these CEO series interviews, we like to finish with the same final three questions, just on the on the future of the business. Um, but before we do, I guess we want to remind everyone: um, Superhero now has US stocks, so uh, they should. You know, if they're not already signed up, they should go and check that out. More than doubled the investable universe with the click of a button. Zero brokerage as well. <laughs> Zero brokerage as well. Fractional shares, uh, competitive FX. FX um, what more can you ask for? Maybe European shares. Yeah, I'm just going to put that on the I table. Kind of, you know, you sort of go back to that. And you're like, what? What can't you get exposure to through the US and the Aussie market? Mm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I get that. But it's like the small little, you know, little um, Italian bank that's in, 
you know, part of Florence. Like, you know, it's listed on the the main exchange in Italy. You know, I just think, <laughs> hey, there there are some pr- pretty big yeah, companies no, I, in Europe. Totally, but you know, I guess what's the <laughs> what's the demand? If we're seeing out of four and a half thousand US yeah. stocks, we're seeing you know, sixty to seventy percent going into one name. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, <laughs> look, there's, there's there's definitely demand for yeah. for everything. It's you know, does the demand sort of is there a meaningful sort of business behind it to make it worthwhile? Well, everyone, uh, go to John's Twitter, flood his DMs <laughs> if you are demanding that. Do not come to Bryce and I. <laughs> but, um, John, we'll get into these final three questions. So um, the first one is what are, the ne- what are the next 12 months look like for Superhero as a business? Uh, is there anything in the product pipeline, anything you're particularly excited about that you can announce on Equity Mates? Yeah, so I think, I think we've, we've, we're pretty young in the market. So, you know, we've, we've just sort of started out over the last nine months or so. So I think building up that Aussie footprint is key. That's, that's our sort of core business. Um, We've just added in U.S. shares, which is a massive addition. And, and, you know, we see it as a, you know, there's other companies out there that have U.S. just as their single product. That is their business. We've got the two plugged together in one user interface. Um, so you sort of hold one portfolio now and have, you know, as many companies in it as you want across both markets. So definitely, definitely scaling that up, um, continuing to build out the the user interface with with further enhancements we really want it to be a place where you can come and start your investment journey or continue it. So if you're an experienced investor, you probably have an idea of what you want to invest in, but there's a lot of people out there who don't know where to start, who don't know what to invest in, and we want to make that a much easier process for them to identify opportunities um, in, a, in a meaningful way but not a complex, complex way. So it's got to be understandable. Um, so I think that's going to be our core focus. Um, we did launch or we, we did start Superhero for a single purpose um, and, and that was superannuation. So we do have some exciting news coming up about that. It has been in the media a little bit. Um, so we do have super launching as well, which is which is pretty exciting. Um, and we can go, we can go, we, we should have another chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> we should have another <laughs> chat about that. <laughs> um, now, there's a lot of things to obviously celebrate at Superhero at the moment and congratulations. But when you look at your business, what is the biggest risk you're facing at the moment? Yeah, so the biggest risk, I think I think it goes back to the people side of things. You know, the biggest risk is, is certainly in our people. Um, you know, they, they are what, what make us. Um, and it's, it's really hard in the current environment. It's really hard to find good people. Um, at the same time, we've got to, we've got to keep good people as well. And, and thankfully the team that we've got, um, love being here. Um, I think the other thing is, um, you know, being, being Wayne and I as, as the founders, um, there's like key man risk, um, you know, so so Wayne, I couldn't I couldn't do this out without my my co-founder. Um, hopefully, he says the same thing about me. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's there's just you know there's a huge amount of understanding between us. Um, you know, when it comes to the business model, when it comes to the product, when it comes to the vision, um, yeah, to to replace that, I, I would say would be near impossible. So yeah, I, I reckon mm. it's it's pretty strongly the. Um, 
the the people would be the the, the risk point. We we should pause for a moment and give Wayne a shout out. We interviewed him uh, in our summer series, so people can scroll back in the feed and check that out. Not only is he the co-founder and CTO at Superhero, but he's also the deputy CEO and CTO at Booktopia. So yeah. not busy at all, Wayne. He's got two full-time jobs. <laughs> I, I, I still I still don't know how he does yeah. it. <laughs> He's good. He must be good, though. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. he really half-asses both yeah. of them and he yeah. just gets away with it. <laughs> um, but, John, look, you've only been live for nine months, um, but, you know, you're obviously thinking long-term with the business. You're encouraging long-term investors. Um, if you think 10 years from now and what superhero could be, what does success look like for you? Jeez, 10 years is a long time. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, ten years time. Let's think about it. I, I, look, I think I think we want to we want to continue delivering on what we've we've started out delivering on. We want to we want to build a, a an environment for people to to grow their wealth. Um, and and whether that is direct shares, whether that's managing portfolios, whether that's you know giving people the ability to to invest in you know. Oh, unknown Italian banks in the European market. Um, you know whether it's whether it's additional markets, nice. whether it's um, new geographies, whether it's new products. Um, you know, I think I think we, um, you know, we just want to we just want to grow the business, but really with the customer at the centre of it all. Just m- making sure that they can build their wealth. Um, I think our business model is is fortunate that we can we can provide a very low cost product to our customers while still having a sustainable business. And not many people can say that. Um, so we're, we're pretty proud of that. And, and um, yeah, I think it's, it's doing more of what we've already done just at a, at a bigger scale to, to make, make sure that all of our customers have a, a meaningful experience over the long term. Well, there's no doubt that you certainly are making markets more accessible for Aussie investors. So congrats. The, uh, the competition's only getting stronger here in Australia, which is great for us on uh, the consumer side. Um, <laughs> but we, we love seeing the journey and looking forward to seeing how Superhero grows over the next 10 years. So well, as always, John, appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to having that yeah. chat about Super sure. at some Thanks, point. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the support. <laughs> Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 